everyone, uh, regardless of uh, you know, PPP forgiveness or not, is able to defer payment of those uh, FICA taxes, the employer side, from 327-2020 through the end of 2020, December 31st there. So it could be of substantial benefit. And I've had a lot of clients say, I don't want to do it or why would I do it, et cetera. Uh, and I would tell you, do you have debt? Do you have debt that has interest? Do you, uh, do you owe any interest? Uh, if the answer is yes, and if that number is greater than a 0%, uh, and you can structure this and, and feel safe doing this, because you are obligated to, to pay this in at the end of 2021 and 2022, do it, take it, uh, maximize your cash flow, pay down uh, other higher interest debt with the money that you're saving from this uh, employer side tax deferral. Welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast. On June 5th, the PPP Flexibility Act was signed into law. So there are many changes to the original PPP program. We have Steve Turner. He is the PPP specialist at the Bonadio Group. He's a principal at the Bonadio Group, CPAs, consultants, and more. And Steve is going to break down and discuss all of the new PPP rule changes in very simple terms to make it easy for all of us who have PPP to uh, understand and to be prepared. So next up, Steve Turner, principal of the Bonadio Group. Okay, I'm here with Steven Turner. He's the principal at the Bonadio Group. Steven, thanks for coming in. And uh, why don't you start off, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit more about the Bonadio Group. Sure thing, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Steve Turner. I'm a principal with the Bonadio Group. I've been with the firm for about 12, 13 years now uh, at this point, and I operate in our commercial audit division. So I work with a wide range of different sizes of businesses uh, in areas like manufacturing, construction, uh, distribution. Uh, anyone with inventory uh, is kind of my specialty. Uh, Bonadio has uh, nine different offices. We're spread out across upstate New York, plus New York City, plus Vermont, and uh, most recently Dallas, Texas. We're a firm of about 850 uh, people, and uh, in my time with the firm, that's that's grown. Uh, the firm's grown substantially, so I think pretty deep bench to be able to take care of uh, all of our clients. So a lot of firepower. Excellent. Yeah, sounds like it. And uh, Steve is one of the PPP specialists at the Bonadio Group. And and today I want to talk about the adjustments, the changes to uh, the PPP program. And uh, Steve, I'll just kind of walk through some of the the, the more known changes. And uh, if you could just, uh, just uh, tell us a little bit more about them. The first one is that uh, it's now been extended from eight weeks to 24 weeks. So that's probably the, the biggest change here. And it's a result of, uh, I think when the law was first signed, eight weeks seemed like a, uh, it didn't seem like that optimistic of a, a timeline for this. So uh, it was kind of expected early in the COVID-19 crisis that uh, eight weeks would be enough time for uh, many of the small businesses that would 
be eligible for the PPP to spend down their loan uh, substantially, close to 100%, aim for 100% forgiveness. And as we've all seen, as everything's progressed, it's uh, eight weeks became a safe target to an optimistic target, and then uh, finally an unrealistic target. So 24 weeks gives some breathing room for all the businesses that uh, are still governmentally restricted for reopening. I know here in Western New York, I, I haven't specifically uh, been watching it, but uh, I think we're about to enter phase three now. Uh, so uh, restaurants are just getting back to to operations and still restricted ultimately. They're not, it's not as it was. So uh, if you think about all those businesses, like a hotel, like a restaurant that uh, really wouldn't have been able to spend down this money that they received and it wouldn't have had the impact that it uh, was intended to have. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and, and that 24 weeks, is there a time frame where uh, you no longer, that no longer applies or can it be 24 weeks from the moment you get the regardless? So the, the way that it's written right now is uh, the extension is that the cover period for forgiveness is going to be 24 weeks from the date of uh, loan disbursement. So, uh, or December 31, 2020, whichever is earlier. And I think, uh, a key point here is, as it's written right now, there hasn't been an extension of the program application uh, deadline. So June 30th, uh, you know, 20 days from now, effectively, that's still, as it stands right now, when the program will end. I found it interesting, too, working with so many different businesses uh, with the PPP, I think a lot of us assumed, uh, based on the very first wave of funding, that we wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation on June 10th mm. uh, talking about available funds uh, through June 30th. But that is the case. There still is uh, funding available, and it will go, uh, as it stands right now, through the end of June. So uh, 24 weeks from the, from the date of loan disbursement or... December 31, 2020, and uh, also I think would, would be appropriate to add uh, as we talk about this right now, there's also the opportunity to elect to remain under the eight-week uh, covered dispersion period, or I'm sorry, covered period rather. So if uh, it's kind of a, an area of, area of this change that I view as unfortunate. It's you have so many small business owners that that made specific moves to optimize their use and spend down of these PPP funds, and uh, some of those some of those changes may have been bringing employees back earlier than they would have otherwise. Some of those changes may have included hazard pay, bonus pay, etc. That weren't in the normal course of business necessarily, but in in the shadow of spending down the PPP, these business owners made those decisions to, to kind of more aggressively spend the money. And uh, I think why I say it's unfortunate is if this change, this Flexibility Act had been passed even a couple weeks earlier, it really would have been more impactful to these business owners to be able to make some changes uh, to the to the trajectory of their spend down, where they could have been 
a little more conservative, where it could have had a little more lasting impact on, uh, you know, restoring their business uh, as it was affected from COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I had the same problem with uh, several uh, clients uh, of mine. It is unfortunate, the timing. Um, one of the other changes is that the payroll expenditure requirement dropped to 60% from 75%. So what, what exactly does that mean? Sure. So uh, in the original law, uh, it was stated that a minimum of 75% of the, uh, of the forgivable uh, spend had to be spent on payroll. So you would be limited. You would be limited if you had qualifying spend and, and less than 75% of your total qualifying spend, uh, forgivable spend, was uh, below that 75% threshold. The 75% would be a uh, reducing limiter on that. So it would drop you to, well, if you only spent 60% uh, of your total spend on uh, payroll, then you would have to kind of ratchet down to make uh, only 25% of non-payroll costs eligible. Mm -hmm. So with this 60%, new 60% change, it's meant, to, it's meant to make it easier on small business owners uh, where you don't have to hit that 75% mark, you can drop it to 60. Now, the interesting intricacy here is, as it's written right now, 60% became a hard, uh, a hard threshold, meaning you have to spend 60% of your covered loan amount on payroll. Hmm. Now, there's been, from Friday to today, uh, Friday when uh, President Trump signed this act into law, uh, so what are we talking, maybe about five days here have elapsed. There's been further conversation and uh, publishing of commentary that has indicated the intent wasn't to make this a hard threshold of 60%. And uh, it's going to require, my understanding is it's going to require uh, a modification to this law to to make it back to that soft 60% where uh, where you don't, it's not an all or none if you don't hit it. Uh, but as it's written right now, it did drop from 75% to 60 utilization on payroll uh, required, uh, but it did, as it stands right now, make it a hard target or hard Got threshold. It. Interesting, yeah, so then it sounds to me like there's a, a much greater chance that most companies that get their PPP will make it almost fully for, forgivable, if not fully forgivable by bringing it down to the 60%. So that's good news. For sure. And that was the intention. It is good news. Yeah. The, um, so now let's move on to FTE. Uh, the borrowers can use the 24-week period to restore their workforce levels and wages to the pre-pandemic levels required for full forgiveness. Now, that, that in FTE, so there's two things here. That, that first statement that I made, um, have there been changes where do they now have to get back to their full FTEs to get the forgiveness? As it stands right now, our interpretation is that, uh, that they, it's not an all or none. Um, it is a, uh, the safe harbor has changed. So previously you had a, uh, you had a reference period or two reference periods that a business could utilize where uh, where the 
business would look back to a period in 2019 uh, or a period of time in 2020 and then use their covered uh, eight-week period and say, okay, what was my average during this period? Compare it back. And then if you didn't make that, you had a safe harbor, a kind of an out, where if you got back to 100% before, uh, on or before June 30th, then uh, it was your get-out-of-jail-free card. You could say, well, I made it back, and there were no stipulations as to sustaining that those levels of employment or payroll, uh, headcount or payroll levels. So you were, you were good to go. You were eligible for full forgiveness as it related to FTEs. There's, there's some lack of clarity on this, though, too. As with this entire process, you have uh, an application that has wording, certain wording in it. You have interim final regs or, or FAQs or uh, other clarifications issued from by the Treasury or the SBA that are still needed with this thing. Like, there's a lot of work left to do still with this Flexibility Act to to go through the entire process of like, clarify what you mean. What did you guys actually mean? What is this, how does this actually read? Is, is it how this reads to the letter of the law? Is that what this actually means? So um, to kind of answer your question, uh, then uh, I would say, no, it looks like, it, it look, doesn't look like it's an all or none situation with the FTE headcount here. It looks like it's still gonna have that same sliding scale available. It just gives more time and more flexibility to business owners to be able to uh, reach those 100% employment levels. Okay, thank you. And FTE, now <clears throat> I've heard at one point people were considering FTE as 30 hours. Uh, I think it's been clarified, is it now 40 hours? It is 40 hours, and uh, there's some sample calculations that have been put out from uh, the different uh, governing bodies, I guess, for this for this law that have walked you through. There's some practical expedient options to go uh, to use like a 1.0 or a 0.5. There's some options uh, that uh, detail using tenths. There's some other uh, documentation available that shows going beyond, uh, you know, deeper than tenths. So. Uh, I think most business owners would be pretty safe using the the calculation based on uh, 40 hours and using tenths. Got it. What if they calculated the original PPP with less than 40 hours? So that's interesting too, and I think you're referring to the the application itself for the original PPP loan, where you had yes. a a box with the uh, you know. Here's my loan amount, uh, two pages, but give me give me a few million bucks, and uh, here's my headcount. And to answer your question on on changes between those two, uh, it's not the same calculation. So in terms of the what if, uh, that number that was on that application was really more relating to a business's eligibility for the program. Uh, and I'm talking about the 500 employee threshold on an affiliated basis. So uh, that the uh, I would say calculation that backs that that initial number that just appears on your application. Uh, it doesn't mean whatever you answered that. I'll tell you that one to any of the business owners uh, that would be referencing this. Don't worry. It's not. It's not the same calculation. That 
40-hour basis wasn't available and it wasn't even the the rules for that calculation at that time. That really is focused on eligibility. This is focused on an FTE headcount calculation for the purpose of uh, forgiveness. Excellent. Thank you for clarifying that. The uh, you had mentioned safe harbor. Um, can you can you define that a little bit more, please? I can do my best uh, with this, and I say I can do my best because this is an area that there remains uh, a lack of clarity on this. So when I was when I just used the phrase safe harbor, I was talking about the return to 100% FTE uh, headcount by 1231.20. The other, the language uh, of using safe harbor in this Flexibility Act uh, further kind of details. So more options for business owners that have been uh, I'll say disproportionately, or industries that have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. I keep going back to, uh, for one, I'll go back to my restaurant example. So in New York State uh, here, I think unemployment, New York State unemployment maxes out around 500 bucks. Then you have the enhanced unemployment benefits of uh, the, on the federal side for $600. So you'd be talking about $1,100 a week in unemployment available here. And that was a pretty loud complaint from business owners that uh, that the it's tough. I can't get my people back because I'm competing against unemployment. Now, some clarification came out with this too, and I'm not an expert on uh, unemployment rules, law, et cetera. But uh, my understanding is uh, if you're offered your same same job or better, uh, and you turn it down, you are not eligible for unemployment. So that kind of that kind of gave business owners a, a little bit of shove. You don't want to you don't want to twist the arm of your good employees here, and, and it's understandable that there's concern. So the safe harbors, what they did is they said, look, um, if you're you're not going to be penalized, your your forgiveness isn't going to be reduced. If you can document in good faith that you you had an inability to rehire these individuals who were employees uh, on February 15, 2020, kind of pre-COVID, uh, or the inability to hire similarly qualified employees for these unfilled positions uh, by the end of the year, by the end of 2020, uh, here. So that it requires documentation to be in place for this. But it does give business owners the options, uh, the option where it says, look, I contacted all my uh, banquet workers, for example, and I offered to bring them back uh, to probably not do banquets uh, in a restaurant sense, but do other stuff. And, and they turned it down because of whatever the reason may be. Uh, it doesn't mean that I have to kind of go crazy trying to, you should try to, to rehire anyway, assuming that there was a need to begin with, but it doesn't mean you have to worry about rehiring. Now, there's an additional safe harbor detailed in here in the Flexibility Act as well that relates to compliance with, uh, the wording is compliance with the CDC, Center for Disease Control, OSHA, or HHS, uh, Health and Human Services. So think, think about hospitals, think about uh, nursing homes that are uh, governmentally restricted from operating at full capacity. So uh, think about a, a nursing home that 
was forced to reduce capacity uh, due to regulation. They would have a uh, specifically detailed rules of how they can um, not be affected by this reduction in headcount. And uh, uh, it has to do with certain safety guidelines, uh, meaning social distancing, if, if there was a uh, requirement for that industry type to kind of scale back. Very good, thank you. Um, one of the other changes is that uh, now, uh, if they can't get uh, all the PPP forgiven, that it's now five years, uh, the loan, instead of two, still at that 1%, which is uh, a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice longer term loan. Um, and it said too, that the bill allows businesses that took a PPP loan to also delay payment for their payroll taxes. Can you uh, explain that a little bit more? I can, so that's, that's an interesting sweet spot uh, with this modification. So previously, uh, it was sort of, and I, I'll explain what I mean by sort of, it was sort of an all or none. Uh, if you received the PPP, you could defer employer side uh, payroll taxes. And I'm talking what really represents 6.2% uh, of gross payroll. So multiply that out for your own business, but uh, you, would, you were able to defer from the date that the CARES Act was signed into law on March 27th until uh, the date of PPP loan forgiveness. So let's let's take some let's take some numbers here. Let's say you had uh, you had a million dollars in payroll during the period of March 27th, 2020, through the date under the old law, the original law, uh, that uh, your covered period ended. So you could be talking. Let's say March 27th. Let's say you didn't even apply or get your money until April 27th. There's a month. Uh, yes, two week, two months of covered period. So now we're at three months. Uh, let's say that your application, and this is this is old hypothetical now, not the current state of affairs. But uh, another 30 days elapsed before you had all your documentation together to apply for forgiveness. And let's say you got forgiveness right away. You were approved for forgiveness right away. So that's four months of payroll. So let's say that was a million bucks, 6.2% on a million bucks, uh, 62 grand uh, there. That $62,000 that, that was in that little stopwatch period of time there, 50% of it would be due uh, interest-free with your payroll tax returns at the end of 2021, 50% would be due at the end of 2022. The 2021 and 2022 piece of this is the same, but now everyone, uh, regardless of uh, you know, PPP forgiveness or not, is able to defer payment of those uh, FICA taxes, the employer side, from 327-2020 through the end of 2020, December 31st there. So it could be of substantial benefit. And I've had a lot of clients say, I don't want to do it or why would I do it, et cetera. Uh, and I would tell you, do you have debt? Do you have debt that has interest? Do you, uh, do you owe any interest? Uh, if the answer is yes, and if that number is greater than a 0%, uh, and you can structure this and, and feel safe doing this, because you are obligated to, to pay this in at the end of 2021 and 2022, do it, take it. 
maximize your cash flow, pay down uh, other higher interest debt with the money that you're saving from this uh, employer side tax deferral. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> excellent advice. Thank you for that. Um, now, to fill out the application for loan forgiveness, this isn't just a you're not you you need to fill the application out and then be approved. Can you kind of walk us through how that's going to work? This probably isn't going to be the answer that everyone wants for this, uh, but uh, in this changing environment, I can tell you two things. I can tell you that uh, uh, the existing application as it stands right now, not only may change, but I think it'll likely change. Uh, and, and that's for a number of different reasons. One is clarification on the, uh, the items that we discussed, um, modification for the 24 week period. There's a question as to, although businesses are able to elect to go stay with their eight week period, uh, how do you do that? I don't, we don't know. No one knows at this point, what is the process of election to use the, do you use the old application and just go forth? But um, I think overall, for any business owner out there that, that hasn't read that application, and I say this regardless of if you are outsourcing this function, uh, maybe to your CPA, go ahead and read that thing. It's dry reading, uh, as are most uh, finance or accounting uh, applications, but I would tell you that it's going to shed some light as to how the process works. It's going to detail to you as a business owner what you're going to need to have together to apply for this forgiveness of this. And uh, you're going to see in there that you're going to have to detail things. It's not, it's not the way that the application worked where it's uh, what's your name, how much money do you want and how many employees do you have? doesn't work that way uh, for the, on the forgiveness side of things. It's not that easy. You're going to have to provide payroll, uh, detailed payroll records by employee. You're going to have to provide uh, detailed expense or spend down records for uh, your non-payroll costs that you've had in there. You're going to need to detail your calculation of FTE. So the big pieces of all the things that we just talked about go into this application. But at this time, there's, there's not uh, clarity around how that's specifically going to happen and what the timeline specifically is going to look like. The Flexibility Act added some, uh, detailed some changes with the, uh, what happens if you, you know, how late can you wait to apply and what happens if you don't apply for forgiveness, but it doesn't specifically speak to, well, how do you apply for forgiveness? Do you, is it just uh, guns blazing after 24 weeks? Do you uh, just contact your bank and say, here's my stuff, you know, here's my application and my backup. We're good to go. Don't know. Part of that's going to be on a bank by bank basis, lender by lender. Part of that's going to be on as we receive clarification, there's a lot of work left to do uh, on the part of the SBA and the treasury to, to look, you've, you've taken the first step and you've, you've added some flexibility here for business owners. But step two is clarify all these rules for us that are unclear and do it all again. Go through the entire process all again here. Wow. Yeah, that, that's what uh, I think uh, a lot of business owners are concerned with. You know, I've talked to clients who, who have uh, just straight out, um, because of all the changes that have occurred as this is going, 
that they're fearful that that eventually the government's going to say something like, sorry, uh, all that forgiveness is really not going to happen and uh, you're going to have to pay that back. Have you heard that or are you concerned at all about that? Surprisingly, I haven't heard a ton of concern about that. Um, my personal Steve Turner opinion on this uh, is I don't see a, an outcome that includes that heavy-handed uh, pendulum swing. Uh, could there be further changes to this program? Absolutely. I laugh because last week I, I gave a presentation. Uh, I was giving a presentation on uh, the PPP on a Thursday morning. And uh, of course, 8 a.m. as I open the slide deck to give a presentation, uh, I get to tell everyone, hey guys, uh, thanks for wasting an hour with me. All this is wrong. All this nice. is old. Nice. Uh, because <laughs> as I stated uh, to clients the night before, as I was talking with them, it's, uh, I didn't expect it to pass the way it passed so smoothly, so quietly, and so quickly. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I, owe them, I owe a couple clients a drink uh, to... Uh, <laughs> Because I was wrong. I was wrong there. So could it continue to happen? Absolutely, it could continue to happen. Uh, but I, I don't have specific concern that it's going to be a, a pull the rug out situation where, uh, look, uh, you know, psych, we're done. We're, we're going to take all this away. But all you can do in, in along this entire process of TPP, I've been using the example. Of, it's kind of it's like a chess game where you, you know, I, I know how to play chess. I don't know how to play chess well. Uh, but so it's an applicable example for me. I don't know all the rules, uh, but I know enough rules that I have to play with what I do know or what I do understand. Same thing with the PPP. It's like we have to position as a business owner, you have to position, you have to make business decisions along the way uh, based on the information that you have at hand. You can't make uh, reactionary decisions based on entirely the what ifs. It's just not a way to kind of utilize this program. Excellent. Very nice chess analogy too. Um, are there <laughs> any other uh, items that you want to add regarding the, the changes in PPP that we haven't already discussed? Um, I think, let me just take a look if there's anything else on here that uh, would be useful to anyone listening. The loan maturity, I just want to make a comment on that too. So the wording as it stands is that it's, uh, it's shifted to fi a five-year maturity and uh, the deferral, the payment deferral period has changed a little too, but there is a possibility uh, that uh, for those that have already received, been in receipt of their PPP loan, that they could go back to the lender to get a modification to that, to that agreement. At its core, the PPP is a loan. It's a, it's a debt instrument with a forgiveness provision in it too. So just like any other loan that a business owner may have, uh, it has terms. And when you signed it, it had terms with the bank, with the lender uh, at that time too. I think that, uh, I don't know that there's anything else specific. I would, I would just caution everyone, uh, contact your advisor. Um, you can't read enough at the same time, uh, consider the source, I would tell you too, because I think that's been a dangerous slippery slope with this process is uh, uh, just because your neighbor's doing it, just because you heard, just because you read, uh, doesn't mean that's what the rules are. And 
the the way that this is going to be monitored is going to be on the back end and that's through uh, where applicable for bigger loans an audit process don't know what that looks like but I don't know what audit means in specific terms as referenced by uh, the Secretary of the Treasury but it does mean that uh, look hey we know that this entire process was a little loose and we kind of let you run with the rules business owner but there's going to come a time where where you have to be accountable for this so I would just tell everyone uh, just because uh, you know, no one's watching you don't play this thing so loose receive advisement up front and plan accordingly uh, as if someone's going to be looking at all of your forgiveness and also keep in mind that every loan is uh, covered under the Freedom of Information Act too so people know uh, arguably what loan you what loan a business received what uh, forgiveness they received as well excellent so. excellent Steve and if they want to <clears throat> contact you uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, if anyone wants to contact me, they can uh, send me an email. Uh, just uh, S is in Stephen Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R, at bonadio.com. And uh, I'd be happy to help if anyone had uh, any specific questions. Uh, so feel free to reach out. Excellent. And we'll have that in the show notes. Stephen Turner, principal at the Bonadio Group. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Take care.